From Brooklyn, New York, I'm Lisa Butterworth, and this is Caught Red-Handed. You're listening to episode 18 of the Caught Red-Handed podcast. I really appreciate your patience these past few months, I think it is, waiting for the next episode. I've been trying to line up some interviews, but they just kept falling through, and then my day job kind of got in the way. But I am back, and with a vengeance. I hope that this series of interviews makes up for my absence. I got a bunch of my henna pro buddies to let me interview them about their henna mix. I thought I'd maybe get a handful of people, maybe five to ten minutes of conversation from each of them. But instead, I got 12 artists, and I also had to turn some away. They all spoke for at least 20 minutes. This incredible bounty means that I have to break up the interviews into a few episodes, three, possibly more. So lucky you. In this episode, you'll hear from Saumia, who's in San Francisco, Warda in San Diego, Victoria from Minneapolis, and Nev, who is in Portland, Maine. They're all asked the same questions, not necessarily in the same order. And these questions elicited such a surprisingly wide array of responses. I had no idea there were so many ways to make henna paste. And here I am, 15 years in the business, thinking I know everything about mixing henna, and I learned so much from this. So my advice to you before you listen any further, go get a pen and some paper because you'll definitely want to take notes. I think you'll learn a lot from this. For those of you who follow me on Instagram, you'll know that from my photos that I have embarked upon a henna experiment called Slow Henna. It's kind of like the slow food movement, just kind of getting back to basics. Um, This came out of a conversation I had with my musician boyfriend who told me about a music practice technique. It's also a technique used in martial arts and other fields where you just play in super slow motion to really learn every tiny little specific motion required to make the notes that you want to play. He suggested I try it with henna. For those of you who are who follow me online and who also follow this podcast, you know that I've been working on my craft. I'm not very happy with my precision. And despite all of my efforts to improve, I just haven't made any progress. I draw daily. I draw with a pen. I draw with henna cone. And just don't feel like I'm getting anywhere with it. And then add to that, I also feel like I'm in a creative rut. But, you know, that's another thing. So... I went ahead and did this. I took a design that would normally take me maybe 20 minutes, and it was just something that I was making up as I was going. And it took me an hour to do, which is kind of crazy. Uh, What was really interesting was just listening to what was going on in my brain. So just that desire to always speed up, always go faster, since that's something that we seem to prize as henna artists. It's something that our clients expect of us. And so every time I this urge to speed up and try and slow down and then a weird side effect is that it actually helped my creativity 
it's kind of like my brain always goes so fast that I just do the most obvious and the most typical thing that I would normally do in a design. But when I go slowly, all of a sudden my brain can just explore all these different creative possibilities and find the best one. So I was really happy with the results with that. And if you want to see the results, you can check me out on Instagram. I've posted everything there. My username is Kenzie Lisa, K-E-N-Z-I-L-I-S-A. So uh, give it a try. Let me know what you think. I'm very curious to hear what other people experience when they try it. When we're all trying to speed up to make more money, it's a relief to slow down and see what unfolds when you're not rushing to get to the next thing. So let's get to the Mix Masters of this Mix Masters mixtape. First up is Saumia. Enjoy. So I am here with Saumia Ranganathan. And you're in San Francisco, correct? That's correct. Very cool. And for those of you listening at home, she was previously in Toronto and now she's in San Francisco. So you're here for the recipe um I don't know what I'm going to call it, but the <laughs> recipe roundtable, let's just say. And uh, I wanted to hear from you how you mix henna, what kind of ingredients you use. Um, so the first thing I want to ask you is what brands do you use? Brands of henna, brands of whatever liquid you put in, brands of essential oils, and um, just like a list of things that you put in your henna. Okay. So, I mean, my recipe is super simple. Uh, nice. So... In terms of brands, well, right now I've moved to using Rajasthani completely. Uh, okay. I, I started out using Jamila Henna, and then I did 50-50 Jamila and Raj for a long time. And now I just do 100% Rajasthani. So right now I'm using Henna Lounge because Darcy's literally five, ten blocks away. <laughs> oh, that's great. So you can just walk over and get your henna yeah. if you need it. Oh, perfect. Well, I haven't been really busy after moving down here because I was focusing on my day job because I, I oh, got okay. a transfer here and it was it got really crazy. So I actually made one order from her like end of last year and I still like I have a ton left. <laughs> so let's just say, you know, I'm I'm good for the next few months. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But if you need it, it's there. That's nice. Exactly. But, you know, I, I'm not really picky about the brand. Um, I, I just feel like henna is so forgiving that you can't yeah. really go wrong. Yeah, as long as it's fresh. Exactly. So yeah. um, before when I was in Canada, I used to buy from Tammy at Henna Bee. So oh, yeah. I, I used her Habiba henna, and I'm definitely a huge fan of that. Oh, that's cool. But, I haven't tried that yet. Right now, I'm, I'm, you know, pretty much, I, ha I have some Habiba henna left, and I, I mix that sometimes, but mostly just henna lounge Raj. Cool. Yeah. And then what about essential oils? You also get those from henna lounge? Uh, no, so I actually had a supplier in Canada, okay. so they're called New Directions Aromatics. Oh, okay. So, I think I've heard somebody mention them. Yeah, I, I don't know if they're that big in the U.S. They were, like, really close to my house back in Toronto, and they, they did wholesale. So nice. I, I just stocked up on like ketchup from them and I sold from them. So what are the other ingredients that you use in your henna paste? We have your henna and your essential oils. What else do you put in there? I put hot water. Okay. And from the tap? From the tap. Well, I boil yeah. it in the kettle and just, okay. I, I turn the kettle off when it starts boiling and kind of let it cool down a little bit where it's still hot, but it's not boiling. Like you don't see bubbles anymore. Gotcha. And I, I mix it when it's pretty hot. So, you know, there's no lumps in the henna. It just mixes really nice. 
And oh, so so hot water keep, um, reduces the lumps? Well, I just find like it, things just dissolve better into hot water, right? Yeah. Compared yeah, to colder true. water, so yeah. I, I just find it. and I mix everything by hand. That's mm-hmm. that's maybe that that's kind of weird with compared to what others do. I do uh, the same. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have a fancy sand mixer or anything. Yeah. I, I I mix pretty small batches of henna. Maybe that's yeah, that's too. the thing. I, yeah. I, I do like you know 100 grams, maybe 200, mostly 100 grams at a time. Oh, okay. So um, yeah, like really really small batches. Mm-hmm. And the only other thing I add is sugar and just regular old white sugar that I eat at home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. That is a very simple recipe, and it's all stuff that you have at home, except for the henna and the oils. Exactly. You yeah. have your liquid from the tap and your sugar from the sugar bowl. Yeah. Perfect. Um, and- I I, use, I started out using lemon juice actually, mm-hmm. but I I, I kind of moved away from that. Just you know, after reading about people who are sensitive to citrus, and I, I just don't yeah. want to take a chance. Yeah. And. I really like the, you know, reddish color of Raj compared to the super brown, close to black kind of color I, w- I was getting with oh, lemon okay. before. So, oh, okay. yeah, I like to keep it simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. I'm with you on that. And then when it comes to proportions, do you measure it out or do you kind of cook like your grandmother cooks? I, I started out doing like proper measurements but now you know I just do it by eye and because yeah. I'm not like mixing pretty much same quantities every time it's it's pretty standard now yeah. and and stuff like sugar I definitely do adjust it based on like the weather and the time of the year um, yeah. I find that here in San Francisco it definitely needs a lot more sugar than in Toronto it's oh, okay. it's I, I don't know I, especially Toronto in the summer it's really humid yeah sounds so. like New York yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then, so what do you mix in? What do you use to, like, what, what kind of bowl do you mix it in? And what do you use to mix it? I'm getting right down to all the little details. No, that's awesome. So um, I have a lot of stainless steel um, utensils just oh, because, yeah. like, when I got married, it's kind of like our tradition from the part of India that we're from that my mom gives me a whole bunch of stainless steel stuff. So I'm not really picky about what I mix in. It's just what I have. So I have a big stainless steel bowl and I mix it in with a spatula. Oh, okay. Like a plastic spatula. Uh, well, it's like a rubber tip. Or yeah. 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 I picked it up from Ikea. Okay. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) And then, um, for consistency, that seems to be a really difficult thing to manage. And like, I just switched from cone from bottles to cones. So now I have to rethink my consistency and it's, a struggle every time. So I was wondering how you test the consistency. Like, how do you know it's right? So that's something that it, it's really hard to explain in words and also in photos just because yeah. I feel like, I don't know if it's just a random philosophy I have, but I feel like different henna weighs different. Like some, some hennas, they could be the same level of stringy, but one feels heavier in the cone than others. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of just, you know, take, lift it off the spatula and watch how it falls. And yeah. I imagine like draping with that yep. consistency and <laughs> yeah. figuring if like, okay, well, I can see myself draping with that. And sometimes it's just way too thick. So I yeah. just dilute it a little more. 
And that's so hard to explain and, and get somebody else to visualize unless you're with them and you're actually showing them in person, like if you're teaching someone, right? Exactly. And honestly, consistency is also like a thing where everyone has their own preference. So what works mm-hmm. for me might not be the best for you. That's so, very true, yeah. So the only thing I can say is just keep trying, right? Like make small batches, 50 grams at a time and, you know, see what works best for each person. Yeah, exactly. And then just keep trying until you get it right. Too. Exactly. And, you know, it's not it's not like you've completely ruined your paste if it's off. Worst case scenario, you can just like recone everything. Yeah, exactly. Which yeah. sucks, but... Oh, so yeah. Do you, do you, once you mix it, do you just do a really quick test cone and try it in the cone and see if it's good? Or do you just cone it all and hope for the best? See, I always tell myself after I finish doing all the cones that... Oh my gosh, I should have just done one test cone. <laughs> but when I'm, when I'm, I, I really, really hate rolling cones and filling. Like, that's actually my worst, oh. the, my least favorite thing about doing henna. Oh. So once I get to the filling cones part, I'm so ready to be done with it. Yeah. I just, I just do the whole thing and I'm like, oh crap, what did I do? Yeah. Now? <laughs> but thankfully, you know, because I, I use the same types of henna every time, like it's not really yeah. off too much. Yeah. But yeah, I have had to recone sometimes. Yeah, I think that's really key is once you find the henna and the proportions that you like, just stick with that. Yeah. And um or if you're gonna mess around with other kinds of henna, then do it, you know, just tiny batches and do it, you know, not for clients, just do it for yourself. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, next subject is how do you, how long do you let it sit? Um, how do you let it sit? Like, do you cover it? Do you leave it in the bowl? Do you just, oh, and when do you add essential oils? That's uh, actually, that's probably the fir- the next question I want you to answer is when do you answer, um, add the oils? Okay. So what I do is, so I, I used to follow a recipe where I'd leave the paste sit with just water and then mm-hmm. come back like maybe four hours later and add essential oil. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm really not that organized and I, <laughs> I forget to add it at the exact time. And sometimes it would be on my calendar, but I'm just not home at the time or whatever. Oh. So what I do now is um, I, I mix the hot water and the henna and mm-hmm. I let it cool down. I let the mixture cool down. And as soon as it comes to sort of room temperature, which is not that long, yeah, um, I add the oils. So oh, usually okay. by the time the mixture is cooling down, that's when I start rolling my cones. So by the time I'm rolling like, you know, 50 cones or 30 cones, it's cooled down enough. Gotcha. Very interesting. Yeah. And then, um, okay, so when you let it sit, do you cover it? Do you put plastic wrap over it? Do you put it in a warm place, a cool place? So um, I do cover it. I put it. Uh, I put plastic wrap on it and kind of push it all the way down um, onto uh, the surface. Of exactly. The so okay. you know, it, it doesn't like form the crust. Uh, yeah. And I just leave it on my kitchen counter. Uh, it gets a lot of sunlight, and mm-hmm. I, I don't put it directly under the sunlight, but it gets pretty warm and toasty. Um, gotcha. So usually, what I do is, you know, I, I mix it after I come home from work. Or if I'm mixing it on a weekend, I start like sometime in the afternoon. And um, it's usually done right after dinner time. Uh, Like I I start coning by like eight o'clock, nine o'clock. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it definitely depends on how warm it is that day and stuff like that too. And how do you test when it's ready? Do you test or do you just kind of eyeball that as well? 
No, I, I do test that. So just a little dot on my palm and mm-hmm. wait for it and, you know, just wait for that perfect bright orange and like, okay, you're done. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I want to ask you your advice for newbies who are mixing their own henna. So in um, apart from just doing exactly what you just said, mm-hmm. what do you think are the, I don't know, like the three key ingredients or the three key concepts for having good henna paste or how, or what are the best ways to practice getting good henna paste? Hmm. That's really interesting because I started out using store-bought henna and this is when <gasps> I know, I know I admit I'm coming up. <laughs> no, this is like way back when I, I was a teenager and we lived in oh, a okay. suburb of Toronto and the only thing remotely Indian or anything close by was a, like this Indian store. We, my parents would do grocery shopping in okay. and um, I got a henna cone and it was horrendous. Hmm. Like absolutely <laughs> so bad. Like, not just the color, it, it smelled like henna, but definitely not, you know, good quality yeah. henna. Yeah. Um, and it didn't stain at all. So, which and is it's good. All crumbly. Because, yeah. yeah it, it's good it didn't stain because that tells me it probably didn't have too many dyes or chemicals. Yeah, that's, but that's a good point. It, it's terrible because, you know, you can't draw with it, it's too thick, it, it just mm-hmm. doesn't come out. So, I told myself, okay, so whatever paste I mix, it cannot be worse than this. <laughs> so that's the kind of attitude I had when I started mixing paste. So the first thing I did was, well, Google who's a really good henna supplier in Toronto. And right. uh, the first henna I got was actually from Khadija at Hennesuk. Oh, yeah, that's right. She was in Toronto. Exactly. So I, I looked up like the cheapest uh, shipping and, you know, Hennesuk was in the same city. So that worked out. And Perfect. I think my first order was actually only 50 grams because I had no idea how much 50 grams would be in Canada. <laughs> so I'm like, well, okay. I, and I, I remember having to like convince my parents to, you know, it, it's only $20 and, you know, it's a hobby and just let me buy it because I, I was really young. Like, yeah. I, I didn't have my own credit card or anything. Aww. So, and, and my dad's like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> so I, I had this $20 budget for my henna experiment. And you know, I, the first recipe I followed was probably Henna Caravan's Kiss recipe. Yeah. And that just, you know, works out really well. And they have pictures and it's, it's really hard to go wrong if you follow that recipe. Yeah. And I was using straight Jamila then, which is, you know, it, the dye release time and everything just worked out. And man, like I did my first henna design with uh, homemade paste and I'm like, oh my God, I'm a <laughs> professional artist. <laughs> <laughs> right away. <laughs> But, you know, that's a really good point is, is, um, you know, for, for just knowing that, you know, I don't know what my point is, <laughs> that, you know, if you're just starting out now, mm-hmm. you know, just doing something on your own is, is a step forward and, you know, it's so much better than using those crappy store-bought cones, so... Definitely. It's, not, it's it's worth just taking that risk and trying it. And, you know, henna, I think, is probably one of, like, the cheapest hobbies you'll ever have. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, th- there's no big equipment. Like, think about photography for a comparison, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, initially, you have to put down so much money. So, yes. in comparison to that, even if your whole batch is completely off, 
it's it's not a big deal. Like just yeah, it's a few dollars exactly, and mix up yeah. another fifty grams. Maybe do something differently. And there's so many resources. Like you know, especially like Henna Hub right now. I, yeah, you'll get a response in like literally under an hour. Yeah. So yeah, maybe even quicker. <laughs> yeah, and and back in the day, like when I started, I I, I used to search Henna Tribe forums like all the time. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I wasn't posting as much because <laughs> I, I just like search it. And you're like, yeah. okay, perfect. This is exactly what I need. So exactly. with resources like that, you know, in comparison to say when you started doing henna, I'm sure it was not so easy. Oh yeah, there was barely the internet back then. Exactly. <laughs> so it, like, I, I think I'm really lucky for that. Yeah. Um, and and so many grateful. YouTube tutorials too. Yeah, exactly. Oh, like it's amazing. From rolling a cone to drawing your first lines. So I think you... As long as, you know, someone's starting out, if they go in with the attitude of kind of experimenting and being okay to fail and just start again from scratch and not, you know, expect it to be perfect the first time, that attitude, I'd say, is definitely like up there in terms of what you need. Yeah, I think that's really key, like not being afraid to fail. And that's where we learn is from those failures, like, wow, that one was really too runny. What did I do wrong? Exactly. figure that out. Yeah. 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 And so, I mean, that's, go ahead. That's definitely something I, I do even now. It's not like I have everything figured out. Like there's definitely mistakes yeah. we make. It, it may be recipe, maybe something else. And you know, you, you just l- fix it and learn and keep doing right. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully yeah. moving forward each time. <laughs> yeah. And not the same thing. <laughs> So the last question I want to ask you is how does mixing henna make you feel while you're mixing it? So I love the smell of just henna leaves mm. because for pretty much like most of my childhood, we had a henna, like I grew up in India until I was 11 and we had a henna okay. tree in our backyard Aww. and all my memories of henna are actually just henna and water mixed, no oils. Oh, cool. So yeah. right now, like when I smell a henna cone, it's actually mo- mo- most, mostly essential oil that you smell, not really the henna. True. So, yeah. um, when I mix henna, it takes me back to those days where you just smell the henna leaves. And, you know, it, it's a pretty fun experience for me. Yeah. But it, it's really when I get to the coding part that I'm like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a shame. <laughs> yeah. I, I know. Like, I, I heard on, I can't remember whose episode it was, but some, some one of the podcast episodes definitely said, you know, um, coding henna is actually one of my favorite things. Yeah, I think that might have been um, Debbie. Sounds like something she would would say. And when I was listening to that, I was like, okay, that's so not me. (laughs) I kind of like it. It's just like, it's just like a little project and it's different from everything else I'm doing that day. And I don't know, I find it, I find it kind of pleasurable, but then I'm still new to cones. So it's still kind of exciting for me. So maybe, maybe that's why. I don't know. I mean, huge props to you for changing your tool after, nice. I don't know. That, that's crazy. 15 years. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is crazy. But, you know. Yeah. Got to keep it fresh. Got to keep learning. <laughs> got to be afraid awesome. to fail. I definitely love all your posts. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so much. So um, any last, um, anything that I forgot to ask you about mixing henna that you want to talk about? Not really. I feel like we touched on a lot of different things. Uh, But yeah, no, I I don't really know. (laughs) Okay. All right. That's very cool, though. 
it's really interesting to see how my process is pretty pretty much the same as yours but it's it's just interesting i'm looking forward to hearing what everyone else has to say and see mm-hmm. see what all the different variations are and have it all in one place yeah that's awesome looking forward to listening to the whole thing yeah cool yeah all right. All right. So that's it. We're at uh, 26 after the hour. So we got you in on time. Okay. Thank you so much right. for making your time yeah. to do this. Yeah. Thank you very much for um, being willing to put up with all of my technological difficulties. Oh, no I'm glad worries. it worked out. No problem. <laughs> all, all right. right. Cool. I'll talk Bye-bye. to you online. Bye. All right, so I am here today with Warda Halim. She is of Henna Trends with a Z, so you've probably seen her online as Henna Trends. You're in San Diego? I am in San Diego, sunny San Diego. Very nice, very nice. Um, So this is a recipe roundtable. That's what I'm calling it for now. Maybe the name will change. So uh, I want you to just start out by telling me what your ingredients are and go ahead and tell me the brand names. I think that'll be really useful to a lot of people listening, people who are looking, you know, to find some advice on what brands are good. Mm-hmm. So, um, what henna do you, what henna do you use? I use the Indian Rajasthani henna powder. Oh, okay. Um, you can go ahead and tell me where you, do you import it or do you yeah, buy it from somebody Yeah, else? I import it and I sell it and, um, I just call it Hannah Trans Rajasthani. I have not given it any fancy name. <laughs> Hannah Trans Rajasthani powder. Um, I used to use a 50-50 combination of Jamila and Hannah Trans Rajasthani, uh-huh. but, um, for like about a year now, I stopped using Jamila because I just love the texture of the Raj by itself. Yeah. So I use um, the Raj powder and then I use, for my liquid, I use um, lemon juice mm-hmm. and I just get it from my local grocery stores. I just <laughs> in bulk lots and lots of bottles of that. Oh, yeah. And I just use regular table sugar, white sugar uh-huh. that I get at Costco, the big bag. <laughs> And I use essential oils. I use a bunch of them. I, I it depends on my mood. If I, if I have, um, I, I usually use at least two. So there's a I have in my I keep them in my fridge. So um, what I have in stock all the time is kajaput. I think that's how you pronounce it. I yeah, I, I guess so. <laughs> I, that's I, how I pronounce it. So I, let's I, say I, it, I that's correct. <laughs> Um, Rifat, uh, say the name on her, one of her videos and I, um, and I thought, oh, that's how you pronounce it. I used to say Kajput and I, I think that's yeah. wrong, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but I no use Kajput, um, tea tree, lavender, eucalyptus, clovebud, naioli. I have all of these in my fridge and I just Ooh. put a mixture of two or three, whatever. Oh, nice. nice. And it's what it. brand essential oils do you use? I buy them off a, um, it's an essential oils um, online, um, uh, what, supplier. Mm-hmm. It's, um, the Kajapit, I buy it from uh, EssentialTradingPost.com. Oh, okay. I found them on eBay and then I went to their website and they had like um, a whole range of oils and oil blends and fragrances and all essential oil stuff. So oh, nice. I tried the Kajapit, I loved it and it it works great it smells good so i just stuck with it and i've stuck with that for years yeah Yeah. and um and then uh so you use lemon juice for your for your mix always 
I just find it easier just to just stick to this one recipe and I don't put any other coffee or tea or yeah. honey or yeah, none of that yeah. stuff. Just and what temperature do you add the liquid? Um, room temperature, room, room temperature. temperature. Oh, yeah. I keep my lemon juice bottles in my garage on my shelf where I have all my other stuff. Glitter oh, okay. stuff. So they're just at room temperature. Oh, okay. And then how do you measure the ingredients that go into your paste? Do you actually measure them or do you just kind of do it like your grandmother, your mother cooks, you know, just like a little bit of this, that looks right? No, I um, I do measure them because I usually mix, well, always mix in uh, batches of 100 grams at a mm -hmm. time. So mm -hmm. uh, in multiples of 100 grams. So I, because once I open a packet, I just mix up the whole packet. So oh, right. it's either 100 or a two or 200 or 300 grams together. So I take like one packet of powder and then two tablespoons of the oil and mm -hmm. a quarter cup of sugar. I use a lot of sugar because San Diego is very, very dry. Oh, right. This mix with this much sugar would probably not work in um, humid areas like yeah. Florida or Seattle kind of yeah. places, I think. Yeah, I can't use that much sugar here in New York, especially in the summer. It's so humid. Yeah, and it's so dry here. I remember when I came uh, to San Diego, I moved here from Pakistan in 2005, mm -hmm. and... Um, I couldn't live without moisturizers. It was so dry here. <laughs> yeah. I was not used to this weather. Yeah. Even now, my skin, it doesn't work without moisturizer. So it's yeah. very dry here. So I use a quarter cup of sugar. So how much did I tell you? Yeah, you one said the tablespoon of oil or two tablespoons two of oil, tablespoons I think you said. Two tablespoons of oil, yeah. a quarter cup of sugar and one mm -hmm. packet of powder. And then the lemon juice is some, what I eyeball. Um, yeah. The, I prefer a thin paste. So I've never measured the lemon juice. I just pour it and mix it and pour it and mix it till I think it's just the right consistency. Yeah. And then what kind of vessel do you use? What kind of tools do you use to mix it? Do you use, do you mix by hand? Do you have a mixer? Oh, I use an electric mixer. Uh, the, a stand mixer whisk. or a hand no, or one of no, those hand No, not ones. the stand mix, uh, mixer. It's the mm -hmm. hand whisk with... Um, with those two detachable yeah. things that come out of it. Yeah, uh, I see. What you're I got this thing at No, I got it on Amazon. Yeah, I think around 20, 25 dollars I think and it's been working fine for Oh, that's great. I've never tried years. that before. And it's I dedicated it um completely to Hannah. I don't use it for my food stuff in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. um, it's just for Hannah. Even though well the the detachable blades, no, whisks they're metal um, and they yeah. wash off easily, but I just keep. Big, but the rest of the mixer gets splattered with powder and paste, so I oh, just yeah. keep it. <laughs> you don't want that getting into your food. No. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I use. And for the bowl, I have a big, large. It's it's a plastic bowl, uh -huh. and that's also dedicated to henna because it has become discolored. Yes, um, of course. <laughs> I don't use. Um, uh, what do you call it? A, a china bowl mm -hmm. or a porcelain bowl for mm -hmm. mixing large batches because I don't like the sound of the whisk against the bowl. <laughs> That's a good reason. <laughs> so I just stick to my. It's a thick, very thick plastic. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know what the um, chemical scientific name for that kind of plastic. That's okay. <laughs> but, yeah, a plastic bowl and a hand mixer, electric hand mixer. And gotcha. Just yeah. Whisk it away. 
So you were talking about eyeballing how much liquid to add. So, and I think that that's a problem with a lot of people who are mixing henna for the first time or even for the 10th time is how to get that right consistency. And I know as someone who used to mix henna for using an AJ bottle, now I have to figure out consistency for a henna cone. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering, uh, how do you know it's right? How do you test it? Do you cone up a little bit of henna just to see if it's the right consistency? No, I I don't cone it. I just look at it. Um, <laughs> once I'm done with it, I use my spatula to lift up the paste yeah. from the bowl, and then I let it drop. So it just drops down onto the rest of the paste, and it stays in shape, but not completely. It will slump down a bit too, but it won't yeah. stay stiff like whipped cream. Gotcha. Uh, it will slump down, but it you can still see the swirls of where I had lifted it up. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, I would not compare it to cake batter. That would be too thin. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what from the kitchen I can compare it with. Yeah, it's hard. Uh, it's hard, yeah. I'm always trying myself to find the words to describe it. And it's, you know, it's just that thing where when it's right, it's right. And you just know yeah. it. I can't even compare it with a whipped yogurt if you just take yeah. some yogurt and whip it because yogurt is not stringy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe like caramel that. or something or chocolate. Yeah. It will yeah, it it's just thicker than cake batter but um, stringy. Because I it's it's actually I think it's a matter of preference how thin or thick you would like uh, your that pastry. That is true. Because yeah. I've met um Nita and mm-hmm. I used her cone uh, I used her paste and her paste is thicker than mine mm. and um, I just did two simple mandalas on her hands and my thumb started hurting because I was not used to the thick paste oh yeah and she do like bridles from morning to night with those cones <laughs> easily her muscles are trained for that um uh, yes and I'm I'm pretty sure if she had used my cone she would have like pulled her hair out because it was it's so thin and it's it's so it's I think it's personal preference for people they will just have to um go through a little bit of trial and error and see which consistency suits them best so mix like a little batch that's a little thin and then a small batch that's thicker and just see what works best for you Yes, and it's it's yeah. also because I'm um, when I'm doing nonstop henna at festivals, I need it to be thin. Otherwise, my hand won't be able to handle it. Yeah, yeah, to I totally understand. Focus. Yeah, and then not so thin that the lines just kind of yeah, flatten no. out as soon as it hits the skin. Yeah, no, that's a very there's a very fine line between the yeah. getting just the right consistency and then just getting it way too thin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what about? all of the timing, um, getting your dye release, how long do you let it sit usually? And then also, when do you add your, um, your essential oils? I mix it all together. I put everything, I dump everything in the bowl. I turn on my mixer. Um, I whisk it up. I keep it a little thicker than Uh I would, um, then the final then the final yeah then the final yeah. consistency i keep it thicker oh, okay. then i just cover it with a plastic wrap piece of plastic wrap i put a piece of um um the plastic wrap i just get from walmart they're a great value brand <laughs> and, okay <laughs> and i put a piece of uh, paper towel on top of that and mm-hmm. a hard heavy a big heavy rock on that that <laughs> i got from my yard <laughs> 
<laughs> I can just picture it now. <laughs> and then I stick the ball into my oven. I turn the light on. And um, I do it usually at night after my kids have gone to bed. So oh, okay. around um, nine o'clock, let's say I yeah. do that at nine. I stick it in the oven and then in the, but the oven is off. Just the light is on. Yeah. Um, and in the morning around seven or eight, when I get to it, sometimes nine o'clock. So probably around 12, 13 hours, I just leave it in there. Yeah. Uh, I don't uh, keep it very close to the light bulb inside the oven, which is at the very back of the oven because it gets very hot right under the light bulb. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's in the middle of the oven. So it's a nice, even warm temperature there. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and then like 12, 13 hours later, I just um, get it out. I thin it up. That's when I thin it up before even testing mm -hmm. it. Oh, okay. Just, before uh, testing the consistency or before testing the stain? The stain. Oh, okay. And then tell me how you test the stain. I just lift up my spatula and put a big blob on the base of my palm, a very uh -huh. ugly blob. And, <laughs> I okay. saw the one that you posted today yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or recently. It's a very thick layer because I want to make yeah. sure that it's staining. I be, I've noticed when I've tried like using a cone and putting fine lines or a da tiny dot to check the stain, I always get confused when I see the stain. Is it dark enough? Yes, Is it that's not? true. So I just mm -hmm. put a big blob of paste on my palm and it looks so ugly for the next few days, but that's the yeah. I do it. But then you're sure, so Not it's worth sure. it. And then it gives me an accurate reading. I can see the exact color. Okay, this is a bright orange. I can yeah. notice it clearly. Yeah. That's and how long do you leave that blob on? You know what? I don't think I leave it on for five minutes only. I, okay. I just leave it on till it dries up. Um, oh, okay. completely but I just put it on and then I get busy and doing other stuff and like about probably 10 minutes later I wipe it off uh, when I see that the top layer is completely dry and it's a thick um, layer so it does take more than five minutes to dry yeah um, yeah I see what you're saying that that's when I because um when I'm doing it on clients, I'm definitely telling them to leave it on four to six hours. So right. mine is staining good in 10 minutes. Then that means, yeah, it should be good. It's going to stain well after six, six to eight hours. Yeah. Yeah, and definitely. Because, um, you know, when I was using Jamila, Jamila takes a longer time to, um, for this, for the stain to darken. Yes. So, um, I didn't find that the spot test for one minute or two minutes was that accurate. Yeah. Um, because it does take a bit longer for that to stain the skin. So I just now do it for like 10 minutes or so. And yeah. then I wipe it off. If it's a bright orange, it's good and ready to cone and freeze. Yeah, that's good advice. So do you have any advice for newbies who are working on making their own paste? Is there Are there maybe like, let's just say three things that you think are really important for newbies or, or do you have any advice on how they can practice or experiment with their pace to get it right? I think it's very important to um, have actually um, used a really good henna paste first to be able to um, make your, uh, make a good one yourself. Oh um, yeah, that's true. Because I I grew up in Pakistan and ready-made henna cones were available in all stores all the time. We've mm -hmm. used them since childhood from the markets. And 
I'm not talking about the emergency cones or the instant red gel and all that nasty yeah. stuff. Um, <laughs> but there were mainly cones available in the stores and we've used those. So since childhood, we've used those. I knew the consistency that this is what good mainly should feel like, should flow out like. So yeah. when I came to the States and I had no access to good mainly cones and I had to make my own. So I had a benchmark that I could like... I had an idea that what my main consistency should be. So I think it's that's one important point that helped me at least to get my consistency right, that I had an idea what Mindy should be. If someone right. hasn't tried a good Mindy paste and they start from scratch and try to um, get a good consistency, it probably will be hard if they have not had experience with yeah. um, good Hana paste. So that's yeah. what, one thing that I would recommend either to get your, their hands on there are so many good suppliers of Mindy premixed Mindy cones, like professional. Yeah, there's so many more session. now. Yeah. yeah. So if they just try even one cone from them and then try to make their own, I think that would help them a lot. Yeah. Um, that's one thing. Um, and then just yeah, trial and error. I used to make mm -hmm. a thick paste too, and then I used to add less sugar, then more sugar, then there was too much sugar. So it's <laughs> it's, it's been um, what do you call it? A joy, right? No, a <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's kind of true. <laughs> the American English language confuses me. Yeah. Uh, no, right. um, a train ride I, it's been a long Let's journey yeah you're right yeah so um, it's, it's been a roller coaster ride yeah see yeah <laughs> that's the word i was looking for yeah so, so yeah. do you have any um paste disasters do you have one story that really sticks out in your mind you know i've been lucky enough not to have anything like that so far I do read and I do hope nothing happens like I ruin a big batch or yeah I've never, never done that I yeah. the I just don't babysit my paste but I check every hour or every two hours I'm opening the oven or yeah and I don't do all that I just I just trust it so much that it, it will be ready. I know I have good powder. I know I have good oils. It will work. And it right. works. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's the thing with practice. You learn what works and then you don't have to fret about it every single time you mix it up. Yes. I stopped experimenting a long time ago too. I just stick to this recipe, this method, this procedure and just stick to it. I, I, there's no time to just experiment more and more. And exactly. This works. Don't fix what's not broken. Exactly. Exactly. So the last question I want to ask you is how does mixing henna make you feel? Oh, it's so relaxing. It, it, <laughs> there are times when I already have like 50 cones in the freezer, but I still feel like mixing more. Yeah. I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's oh. when I very much appreciate all the orders I get coming in for Hannah Goes. Okay, good. Time to start mixing. Aww. I love doing that. I, I, I don't know. It's just so... um, And it smells good. My, yeah. kids, my kids always, when they hear the mixer, they come running down to smell the bowl. <laughs> and, um, my daughter, she's four years old, and she'll say, it smells good, mama. And yeah, it does. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> 
I love the smell and I just love mixing and I just love seeing the lumps all dissolving and just becoming so smooth yeah. without any special straining or sifting needing to be done. Yeah, that's such a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the end of my questions. Is there anything else that um, about your mixing or preparation of henna that I left out? Um. No, I think that's about it. I keep it simple. I just yeah. dump it in, mix it, stick it in the oven, get it out, <laughs> test it, thin it, done. The end. Go in wow. and freeze it. <laughs> nice. Very nice. And do you um, do you freeze it in the carrot bag or do you freeze it in the cone? No, I freeze them in cones. I, okay. I uh, Once it's done, I fill up carrot bags. I fill up my cones and then I freeze the cones. And then whenever I have an event, I just take out however many I think I would need and and the leftovers I bring them back I put them in a big ziploc and that goes into my hair mix then Ah, perfect (laughs) and how do you how do you package your your um, frozen cones I wrap them them up in like batches of eight or ten in a paper towel Mm -hmm. and then I put them in a plastic um it's like a pencil case oh yeah they they sell them at uh, Walmart for like usually they're for like ninety eight or ninety seven cents. Nice. And, um, or when they're on sale during or oh, July August or when schools are supposed oh, to open, yeah. Yeah. they they like for two for a dollar or something. And they uh, come in like these cute colors, pink and red and blue. And so yeah. I bought a bunch of them. And they're the right size to, I can fit probably around like 20 of my, the size that I use, the cones. Oh, okay. Of those in a box. So I just keep them wrapped in paper towel inside that box all, and that box just um, closes tightly. So, and I've never had any issue of my food in the freezer getting the smell of henna. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I don't know why I've heard, I've read about it a lot. That mm-hmm. people's butter starts smelling like lavender. Yeah. <laughs> or tasting like lavender. But my cones are in those boxes and the rest of the food is in there too. But um, never had an issue with any henna or oil smell from the food. And how long do you leave the cones in the freezer before you think they're not good anymore? I usually finish them all up. I've never had uh, to um, like... I don't think I've reached a point where I have had to think maybe these are not good anymore because I just, uh, I probably finish up a batch with, whenever I make a batch. Um, in, within two months, I finish it up. I don't have any left oh, okay. um, beyond that. But I've used uh, like a leftover cone or something from an event and I have it in the freezer and I would, I think I used one eight months later and it's still stained great. So oh, that's it, great. It lasts a long time in the freezer, yeah. Yeah. And do you usually test it if you take it out of the freezer? Or do you test it to see if it's good? No. <laughs> Why did the stain told me everything? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> take it and go. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's it for my questions. If unless you have anything else you want to talk to mm-hmm. talk to me about. I don't have any questions. I just love your voice. I just oh. wanted to hear you talk. Oh, thank you. Well, it's great to hear your voice finally. <laughs> <laughs> I hear your I hear your writing voice, but never your speaking voice. <laughs> I know, I know, yeah. All right. Well, um, thank you very much, and thanks for uh, for coming on um, at the last minute like this. I'm glad it worked out. 
Thank you for talking to me. It was yeah. lovely talking to yeah, you. Yeah, same here. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks. All right, bye, Arda. Here, bye. So I'm here with Victoria Welch. Where are you based? I am in the Minneapolis-St. Paul metro area, and I serve oh. all of Minnesota, western Wisconsin, Iowa, South Dakota, wow, and the upper Midwest. Oh my God, that's a huge area. <laughs> there's not I too many no big idea. cities, you know. There's yeah, that's true. There's a lot of um, smaller, you know, cities and towns and, and areas. So I do travel a fair amount. Wow, that's incredible. So um, we are here to talk about your mix, how you mix henna, what what you put into your henna. So the first thing I want to ask you is what are your ingredients? And go ahead and give brand names. I think that's really helpful sure. to a lot of people who are still learning. Well, I um, as far as henna powders go, I'm a bit of a hoarder. <laughs> and uh, I have an ungodly amount of different hennas that I, that I you know, try and play with. Um, as far as my workhorses go, in the past, I've always used Jamila and usually a Rajasthani, whatever was out and beautiful and lovely. Um, I really like to mix the two because you still get some string. You know, traditionally, it seemed like Jamila wasn't stringy hardly ever. And mm -hmm. since I do a lot of festival work, um, I liked the creaminess um, of the Jamila consistency. But yeah. then as I... I suppose as I matured a little bit um, with my henna style, I began to really enjoy some of the string. So I, I tend to try to mix one creamy and one stringy type of henna. Oh, okay. um, right now I'm blending an all Rajasthani blend and I'm using Darcy's from Henna Guru uh -huh. from last fall, which uh -huh. isn't too stringy and, and seems to... Um, and it's gone now too. A beautiful color. The color was outrageous, but for me, my lines tended to spread. So I needed to uh, balance that with something that didn't spread at all and kind of went the opposite direction. And I really liked Henna Caravan's Raj that was packed loose. It's terrible that you know how it's packed. Um, so that when you <laughs> open the bag, it wasn't vacuum packed really tight and hard. Uh, and then yeah. I also um, got a type of Rajasthani from a friend whose family is in India and they send henna over and I'm not really sure on the brand name. I believe it's Dishti or Dishta. Um, and I bought last summer about eight kilos of that and I'm down to my last kilo. And so I'm taking all three of those hennas. The Dishta was really, really stringy, but uh -huh. it stacked really well. So I took oh, super yeah. stringy, excellent stain, um, a creamy that stacked, super stacking, and then a higher sugar. <laughs> and I just got this fabulous blend that I fell in love with. And I've blown through, I think about five or six kilos of that mixed up. And I'm really wow. sad to be getting to the end of it. Yeah. Oh my God. It's <laughs> such an elaborate process. It's amazing. <laughs> well, and there's years where it's been, I just use a straight Raj because it's been perfect. And, you know, yeah. use a ton of it or, from year or, to year. um, like the, the 2010 Jamila, I used that exclusively. I mean, that year I loved it. I bought as much of it as I could and that was yeah. all I mixed. It was just perfect for my style and for how I use henna. So yeah. it kind of changes, I would say a little bit every year when the new crops come out and I play around a little bit and then I decide what seems to work best for my style of henna yeah. and the speed at which I work and the application. Right. 
you know, something that's really, really stringy isn't always the best for festival work because you can't get those big, thick, huge dots down. You've got, right. little, you know, trails everywhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I try to try to tailor it to my style. So you were using the word stack. Do you mean like a line that doesn't um, collapse? It doesn't spread out? That's right. It just stays okay. where you put it and it doesn't yeah. move. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I like that terminology. I think I may use that from now on. Yeah. And and sometimes yeah. they stack and they settle a little bit. And sometimes the stack slumps all the way into almost a flat line. And then you tend to get oh, some yeah. bleeding, which yeah. if you're filling fingertips is great. Cool. Yeah. If you're filling some modern American tribal tattoo style piece, it's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Nails, it's great. It isn't great yeah. for a fine, dense Indian bridal. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah. Yeah. And what are your other ingredients? What else do you so, use? So um, I also use certified organic lemon juice. Um, I get the Volcano or the Volcanic brand oh, from yeah, Costco. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. The, the infamous Costco lemon juice. And <laughs> in the last year, I've really um, kind of eliminated a lot of the lemon juice that I use so that I'm using mostly water or just an herbal tea to mix mm -hmm. instead of so much lemon juice. I, I don't want anybody with sensitivities to have problems with my henna. Yeah. And um, I just try to keep it as safe as possible. Not that yeah. lemon juice isn't safe, but I found when I was mixing exclusively with lemon juice and then putting lemon sugar on top to seal, people with sensitive skin were having red skin. And oh, yeah, uh, that's not good. And I found that more particularly in my pregnant clients whose skin was already stretched and, and maybe stressed a little bit. And so I just put a little bit of lemon juice in just to bump up the acidity. Mm -hmm. And um, I often make, and I, I'll do this if I'm doing henna for hair, I'll make a great big batch of tea with just cardamom, cinnamon, and cloves, and um. sometimes some nutmeg, and I'll make like a gallon of it. And I'll uh -huh. freeze the extra. So when it's time to mix up henna, I just pull out, you know, like a water bottle full of tea and let it defrost and it's ready to go when I'm ready to go. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Um, for sugars, I prefer to use fructose. I tried a lot of different kinds of sugars, but the fructose seemed to work really great in my climate for the really humid days and the really dry days when they're back to back and you're not mixing up new henna. You know, yeah. one day after the next, you maybe have mixed for an entire week. The fructose really seemed to, to do the trick for me. Um, I found that on the days when it was really humid, it didn't seem to melt in the same way as regular table sugar. I don't oh, think that it continues to draw as much humidity out of the air as table sugar will. And that's just anecdotal, um, yeah, kind of yeah. what I've noticed. And so, you know, the days when it's 90 degrees and we have thunderstorms, it works. <laughs> and the days when it's 75 and breezy, it works. So that's Very what cool. I like to use. Um, Windmere Essential Oils is a local company to Minneapolis. They're uh -huh. in one of the Western suburbs. And uh, they also are in like my food co-op where I shop. And uh, several years ago, I was in there talking with, with the rep, and we got to talking about quality of oils and good oils. And she said, well, I would love to provide oils for you. And she gave me her wholesale bulk price list, and it was fairly competitive. And so that's what I buy. I choose to use certified organic essential oils. Mm -hmm. um, I try to avoid any additional pesticides and herbicides that might have come through the distilling process. So... 
I do that. And then I buy from a local company so that I'm supporting local business here in town. That's great. Yeah. Um, Minneapolis has kind of a nice green um, vibe and, and kind of a green <laughs> life. So people really appreciate the certified organic yeah. things that I use in my henna. And yeah. I get feedback from my clients um, that, you know, they really enjoy that. They, they appreciate that fact that I'm discerning and that I'm spending an extra dollar or two on my paste. And they're happy yeah. to pay a little bit more for me to come out and do their henna. Yeah, definitely. Sets so, you apart from the others who aren't doing that. Yeah, and and it's appreciated in a certain circle, and that's the circle that I I like to have my business in. So yeah. Um, and what what essential oils are your favorites? What do you usually mix with? My latest and greatest blend is True Lavender, Lavendula Augustifolia, and Niuli, mm -hmm. lemongrass, orange, and cardamom. Oh wow. That's, so, that's a nice variety. That must be it's, gorgeous it's smelling. It's fresh. Um, it's a little bit floral and yeah. it's a little bit spicy. Yeah, that's um, great. When I'm really feeling luxurious, I will <laughs> thin my henna paste out with either jasmine hydrosol or rose hydrosol or mm. rose water. And oh, that nice. adds one more layer of floral scent, which yeah. it isn't overpoweringly floral. It's just another note. And yeah there isn't or it doesn't seem to be as much of that medicine smell that you can get with some of those essential oils that yeah have, to have maybe more camphor or some other ingredients yeah. that you know you're like oh yeah i can really smell you know smell yeah, that. that kind of astringent smell yes yes yeah oh, yeah. yeah exactly and i'm sure everyone always comments like oh god this henna smells so good or they walk into a room and they're like what's that smell Yes. And especially if, you know, we've had a meetup and we've been in a hotel and then you walk into the hotel Ooh, and you can smell yeah. the henna throughout the hotel. Yes, It's yes. nice to have it smelling good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Or I know I make a point. <laughs> yeah. I actually had somebody when I was in Starbucks henning someone complain to management that they didn't like the smell of henna oh, while they were trying to drink their coffee. Yeah. That's the only complaint I've ever had. So I haven't, sign. I haven't had a complaint when I've been in the coffee shop and there's about three caribou coffees, which is our local um, coffee mm -hmm. chain around Gee. here. Um, nobody's ever complained. And I've That's done good. quite a few um, little meetings at, at caribou and clients at caribou. And fortunately, since, you know, we have such a long winter and you're not as busy when the summer hits, you can sit outside on the patio and then nobody cares yeah. at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely not. So um, what temperature of liquid do you use when you mix? I generally use cold or room temperature oh. um, because I'm pulling my tea out of the out of the freezer or if I'm using filtered water, which is common, um, that's coming right out of the fridge where, you know, yeah. it was filtered and placed. Um, if I'm using rose water, that's generally room temperature unless the bottle was already opened and then I refrigerate it. Yeah. So... I kind of like to do things slow. I have a busy life. And if I can make the henna, you know, if I can mix it up in the evening and not have to worry about it till the next night and just mix it and forget it, that's kind of my preference. I want the least right. amount of hassle. So right. I don't want so to have to cooler check anything in four hours or eight. I, I want to come back and, you know, mix it at 10 o'clock at night and check it at 10 or 11 the next morning and say, oh, yeah, it's it'll be good until I get home at, you know, 830 or 9. And when do you add the essential oils? Do you add them all at the same time or yes. later? Yeah, I do everything all at once. Um, okay. I just, 
found that when I was doing it in a two-step process, it was more fiddly. And so I had to make sure that I was checking. I had to come back. Oh, and right. Yeah. As my personal life got busier, as I added children, uh, <laughs> I just... We can hear in the background. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I just didn't have the energy to put into taking that much time into right. making my henna. I had to yes. simplify and it worked great and it's worked great for years. And so I just am a one bowl dump and mix. Yeah. Leave it. Yeah, so much easier. Yeah. And um, what are your, or not what are your proportions, but do you measure or do you just eyeball things? Um, it depends. The henna that I get from my friend, that's the Indian henna, the dishta, mm -hmm. that comes in 450 gram packets. Huh. So I usually will pull out, you know, the postage scale so I can dump in the right amount for what I'm mixing in that batch. So I might mix 200 grams of that and 100 grams of the other hennas that I have laying around and just create a really nice mixture. Um, but otherwise, if I'm just opening a box or opening a bag of henna that's a 100-gram package, I dump it and I don't measure the henna. But the rest of the ingredients, the oils I measure and the sugar I measure um, – the liquid I eyeball and feel. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And I, I generally like to stick to either a 1 to 6 to a 1 to 12 proportion. So it for isn't that for my sugar, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. So it's still by feel a little bit. Um, yeah. But I found that within that range, it, it generally is good. And what are your tools? What kind of bowl? What kind of um, mixing implement do you use? Um, if I'm mixing a really big batch, I have a huge red plastic mixing bowl that I use and I mix with I have a pair of hand beaters, um, just an electric mixer. Oh, okay. So I, I was mixing everything just with a spatula and stirring for hours, it seemed like. Oh. And, um, <laughs> It's so much faster with the hand mixer that once yeah. I started using the hand mixer, I was sold. Um, I think the only time I'll mix by hand without the mixer is if I'm doing a really small batch, 100 grams or less. Um, right. I think that when you beat it with that electric mixer, it adds a little air. It adds a little – it kind of oh, changes the yeah. texture maybe just a hair to make it a little fluffier or creamier. Right? Oh, it's just okay. so nice and smooth and, and yeah. great. I've never tried an electric mixer because I thought it was going to add air and maybe make it too fluffy and introduce air bubbles into the cone, which could be really annoying. But you say it doesn't yeah. do that? I haven't had any air bubbles introduced because of that. Oh, um, when I filled it, if I've, you know, like had to stop filling and then I have to adjust the cone and fill some more, I'll end up with an air bubble then. Oh, from um, that. Yeah. yeah. But, but not just from the mixing process. Oh, okay. That tends to be, you know, just a nice, I just get a really nice consistency. Yeah. And it's also, you know, it, it takes some of the work out of it and it makes it easier to ask Rue, who's almost 13, to say, hey, whip me up a batch of henna. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, she can just do that so, for you. So, yeah, she can just do it for me then. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Employ the minions. Yes, exactly. Put those children to work. Yep. <laughs> it's time they start earning their keep. That's right. You got to <laughs> earn your keep around here. Um, the other tools that I would use, I use a silicone spatula to scrape down the sides. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes I'll use a glass bowl. And then I also have some really lovely stoneware bowls 
that I like to mix in. And it really depends, how, you know, how big of a batch I need to use. Yeah. I need yeah. to mix up. So you were talking earlier about the consistency that you get with the electric beater. Um, how do you test your consistency? Do you have a special way to do that? I like to just pick it up on the spatula and pour it off into the bowl. Um, when <laughs> I'm like initially mixing, trip. yeah, when, when I'm initially mixing, I'm, I mix it thick mm -hmm. and that allows that consistency change to happen during dye release, which things seem to always just change a little bit during dye release. So yeah. I like to mix it a little thick and then thin yeah. it out right before I cone it up. Yeah. Um, yeah. For cones that I end up shipping out, and for sale cones, I don't. And I've gotten to where I've played with the recipe and, and the proportions in the feel because I do it so much by feel um, enough so that I can tell that it's going to die release and still be the right consistency. Oh, so okay. what I look for when I'm pouring the henna off of my spatula is for it to ribbon mm -hmm. and for that ribbon to create a stack on the top of the henna bowl and for that stack to just slump down a little bit. I don't right, want it to go right. flat and I don't want it to stay stacked and defined completely. I want gotcha. it to have a little bit of give, a little bit of slump. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's how I like it. It's so interesting to hear you describe it that way because I've tried to teach it to people and it's so hard to describe, but I think that's using the word stacked really, really does the trick, I think. Yeah, it, you know, it can look almost like those Christmas candy ribbon things yeah, or yeah. kind of back and forth that, that yep. and stacked and, yeah. and, uh, and then if it just falls a little bit, then that's great. I, I find when I have that consistency, um, when it's really hot and humid out and my hand is hot and I'm working the cone, right. It, it still it starts will to get hold a little softer. Yeah. yeah. It definitely gets softer, but it will still hold my line. Yeah. And, um, then when it's cold, it's not so hard that it takes, effort to still get the head gotcha. out yeah i find yeah. that it's effortless Delicate regardless mm -hmm. yeah so uh, since you're doing such big batches do you freeze your henna and if so do you do it in the carrot bag or in cones and then also how do you wrap it up once you've okay. put it in that receptacle yes um i love to put it in carrot bags and i like uh -huh. to use both the 12 ounce and the 16 ounce it really depends on the season if it's in the middle of summer i'll use a bigger carrot bag um, and i pop those in my deep freeze so that they freeze as quickly as possible um, that prevents more ice crystals from forming inside mm -hmm. as the henna freezes if it can freeze at a at a faster temperature in the winter when i'm freezing it and it's really cold because it gets like stinking cold in Minnesota, I'll just stick it outside. Yeah. If it's minus 20, it's going to freeze outside faster than anything. And I have <laughs> been great. known to have the henna stash on the picnic table on the patio right outside the door <laughs> for months on end in winter. That's great. Um, <laughs> That's perfect. So I like to put it in the carrot bags. Um, in the busy season, I try to get it into cones right away and then get the cones in the freezer. Uh -huh. And... I found these little plastic containers at Michael's that are meant to hold four by six photos and then also three by five card folders. Mm -hmm. You can get them for like a buck or less during back to school. Mm -hmm. um, I find them at Staples or Walmart or Office Max. Any big box store will have them. Um, they'll hold like 20 cones, little ones, because I like mm -hmm. the mini. I like a nice 
quarter to half ounce cone. I don't like things much bigger than that. Um, but I pop them in there. I label them. And the three by five card holders are great because a lot of them have a little slot right on the inside. And you can just stick your label right in there of what you oh, okay. mixed and the date you mixed it and, and whatnot. And if yeah. something wonky happened with the batch, like it's really runny, so you need to use it on a really cold or windy day, then yeah. you can make those notes. And when you grab it, you can grab the right thing. Oh, um, cool. I, I get them in the freezer as quickly as possible so that when it's off to a gig, it's really easy to just toss one of those into the cooler and know that I'm good for the day. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So have and you I, ever had, oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I do have um, more than one freezer that holds the henna. So I have a freezer in my garage, a fridge and freezer, and I keep a lot of extras for henna in there. And then I have my deep freeze, which holds a lot as well. Oh, okay. We don't wow. need to use freezers for food here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not when you have the great outdoors. That's right. We just need it for henna. <laughs> yeah. So have you ever had any mixing disasters? Plenty. Um, oh. I often describe my first 10 years of mixing henna as epic failure after epic failure. Oh, oh my God. Um, That's probably heartening to people who are just starting out and having failures yeah. from know, the beginning. The henna in the mid-90s was not what it is today. It's so true. So true. Resources in the mid-90s were next to nothing. I know. We had nothing to go on. We just And so we had to fail in order to learn. Yeah. So I had a lot of epic failure failures. Um, just horrible henna, horrible color, horrible consistency, horrible cones, horrible everything. <laughs> yep. And when people say, how long did it take you to learn? And I say, really about 10 years. Yeah. It seems like a long time, but I'm sure if I was, you know, 19 or 20 and starting out today and had YouTube and Facebook and, oh, and yeah. conferences and mentors that were local, yeah. um, not to mention community ed and library courses, I mean, it, it would be a totally different story because it took that long to really get to know how to mix yeah. consistently, how yeah. to drape lines and put things together. I mean, you look at the designs that you did and they just were, oh, <laughs> atrocious. I know. Atrocious. I know. I can't think of it. <laughs> and it's true. It's like if somebody just hands you a cone that's already got good henna in it, yeah, anybody can henna. It's very, it's relatively easy to just start drawing. But yes. then, you know, you do have to be able to mix your own paste or at least find a good a good supplier like yourself. Absolutely. And I'm just so thankful that I don't have to sift, you know, my own oh, anymore. Yeah. All those twigs and <laughs> oh, countless God. jars with coins and nylons all oh, over the house. And what a nightmare. Henna powder dust into everything. Yeah. And, and then here, you know, you spent the money on this crappy henna powder with a low dye content half of the time. Right. And you lost at least half of it to the sifting process. Yeah. It wasn't even usable. Yeah. And you can't even use that sifted out stuff for your hair. It's it, just like who would want to put that in their hair? <laughs> exactly. Ugh. <laughs> so to wrap things up, I want to know, how does mixing henna make you feel? It feels like glorious summer and joy all packed up in my kitchen. Um, the smell, the feel, 
the little bit of taste as the powder is poofed into the air and it invariably yeah. gets to your nose and your mouth. Yeah. I love that. I love yeah. the way that it looks. I love the way that it feels. I love standing in the kitchen with Rue talking as we're mixing things up. There's a lot of conversations that happen in the kitchen around mixing up henna at our yeah. house. Yeah, I sure. love that. I love the promise of sitting in my booth or knowing that I'm going to bless a belly or that the hen is going to decorate a bride and it's going to be in their pictures forever. Um, it feels like I get to jump into people's lives for a little bit and give them a little something and walk alongside them in their journey, wherever it may be taking them. And all of that promise is wrapped up as I'm mixing the henna. And when I mix, I try to be very positive and, and, yeah. um, you know, think of those things and bring the joy. I don't want to mix when I'm cra crabby and cranky. Yeah. And just the thought of mixing henna is usually like, woohoo. Yes, exactly. Sometimes just doing that can kind of make all yeah. of those bad thoughts just float away. Yeah, put the kettle on and get a cup of tea going and get the henna yeah. going. And it it's just a wonderful, happy moment. It's It's one of those moments that I'm going to be old in my rocking chair and unable to do things and think about, how nice it was to sit and mix henna and how it felt and how it smelled and, and all of the fun and joy and beauty and experiences I got to have because I sat in the kitchen and mixed henna, you know, the good old fashioned way <laughs> in time. Like your grandmother used to do. <laughs> like exactly. <laughs> That's what your grandkids are going to have to say. They will. They will. And they'll probably be in my house mixing henna for me. <laughs> While we prepare, you know, festival food. Yes. <laughs> I love that picture. Yeah, I do too. Nice. I, yeah. It just seems like camaraderie and yeah. friendship and companionship and joy and family and excitement. And all of that is wrapped up into mixing henna. It's all positive. I can't think of a negative. Yeah. Um, I do have a funny story to tell. Um, my husband rarely but sometimes will wash up my henna bowls. Mm -hmm. And not long ago, I had mixed up a killer batch and I had mixed and thinned and ran out the door and left my dirty dishes. And he did the dishes for me. And I came home that night and his hands were bright orange. <laughs> Just in washing the dishes, his hands got stained and it did wow. not come off with the dish soap. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> and that made me really happy. Yeah. <laughs> You know that batch is going to be good. You know that batch is good and it was great to laugh about. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> Very cool. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. It's been really interesting listening to how you mix your paste. I'm really enjoying talking to everyone and hearing all these different stories. And I'm even learning a lot from it, too. So it's good. I'm really looking forward to this podcast series. I think it's, well, they're all excellent, but I'm really looking Thanks. forward to it. I yes. really appreciate you going and taking the time and the effort to put these together to share. It's a oh, really beautiful you. gift that you're giving the new people in the community, the old people in the community, and people who just love Hannah. Yeah. Well, oh, thank you so much. I'm glad you appreciate it. Well, thank okay. you for inviting me. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. All right. I'll, um, I'll see you online and uh, maybe meet you in person someday. Soon. I hope so. I'll let you okay. know when I plan a trip to New York. <laughs> All right. Excellent. All right. Thanks again, Victoria. Bye-bye. Bye. So I'm here with Genevieve Levin. And your business name is Remarkable Blackbird. That's so correct. Some people may know you better as that. Yeah. Uh, and where are you based? I'm based in Portland, Maine. Okay. 
This is all kind of redundant for those of you who are followers of the podcast and have already heard the interview with Nev, but just in case you want to make that connection, you now have it. So you're here to talk about your mix. And the first thing I want to ask you is, what are your ingredients? And you can go ahead and give brand names for anything that has a brand name if you want. Okay. Um, so I keep it pretty simple. Um, I find the simpler, the better when you're mixing a whole bunch of henna over a long period of time and it works really well. Yeah. Um, I use lemon juice. I know there's a couple of people out there who are sort of questioning lemon juice, but I haven't had any reactions from people. It's been fine on my end. Uh -huh. So I use lemon juice, not heated or anything, just straight, straight out of the fridge. Oh, okay. Um, and then I use uh, three different hennas. So I do mix in sort of a succession of time. I will start off with the Jamila, mm -hmm. um, which I usually get uh, either from Henna Caravan or from American Body Art. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I start with that, and then I'll mix that up. Do you want, like, the process, too, or just what I put in? Oh, just the ingredients for now. Okay. Um, so it's so it's Jamila, Raj, Mohana, lemon juice, sugar, and essential oils. Okay. And where do you get your essential oils? Um, I, oh, what's the name of that place? It's an online, really Mount, high quality. Mountain Rose? No, I I found another supplier that's got just as high quality and better prices. I'll have to get the name of that. Yeah, you have to look that up. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. My next question was going to be what liquid you use in the temperature, but you already answered that. So that was um, that was cold, basically. <laughs> your, your liquid is lemon juice and cold. Yeah. Um, so um, I'm curious to know what your proportions are. And also, do you measure it or do you just kind of cook cook your henna just like an expert chef like oh that looks about right i i just do it um i mean i have a general proportion in my head of what i do yeah. um, so i i sort of on average will think about like 20 grams of henna a teaspoon and a half of essential oils and about a teaspoon of sugar but the sugar of course really depends on what the weather is doing outside right. yeah um so the sugar is the most variable i think in my mix other than that you know obviously so i'll times the 20 milligrams and that i got from henna caravan oh, that was okay. there i think that that's their like i forget what they call it like the their kiss. sweet the, the kiss, kiss recipe yes. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes. that's the only part of it i do but yeah. i i find that works well yeah. i probably sometimes will do a little less essential oils i find that it can, you can over essential oil. So. Definitely, yeah. And when do you add your essential oils? <clears throat> so I'll mix up the Jamila and I'll let that sit for about eight hours. Okay. And then I'll mix in the Raj and the essential oils and the sugar at that point. Okay. And then I'll let that sit for about another four or five hours. And then I'll add in the Mohana. Oh, wow. That's interesting. The Mohana re releases faster? Yeah, it's a really quick dye release. Oh, cool. Wow, that's crazy. Three-step process, basically. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, you know, you have to think about it a little bit more, but it's fairly simple because I'm not adding anything fancy. Yeah. And what what's the purpose of the three different hennas? What do you get out of the three of oh, them? Oh, I just 
love the consistency of it. I love how it stains. The color that it stains is really an interesting, like, good brownish red color. And, and that's because of those, the combination of the three? Is there something yeah, about I, the texture of one of those that balances so out find, the texture of another? Yeah. So with the, I've tried cutting out a couple of them and it's mm -hmm. fine. But I mean, this is, if I'm going to mix henna that I know I'm going to love using, this is what I do. Yeah. So the Jamila gives a really, you know, dark chocolatey stain mm -hmm. and it's, um, it doesn't, it holds its dye for a long time. So when I'm out at a festival or I'm out somewhere where it's hot, it's not going to have dye. It's not going to demise really quickly. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. It'll last a lot longer. That's important for you because um, you're usually on the road, right? Exactly. Yeah. And then the Raj has a beautiful silky texture. It just is so like yeah. slippery and luscious like that. Um, and I love the color of it. It's a bit more red. Mm -hmm. But the Mohana is sort of snotty, so it gives me this really stringy yeah. henna that I can do all those fine shaded lines with. Yeah. And if you just use that, then you're gonna you can't even do dots. It's just yeah. like this really weird consistency. But when it's mixed with the other two, like the Jamila doesn't have any stringiness for me. Yeah, I can't get that. it to shade well. So yeah. the Raj adds for the shading and the Mahana adds for the shading and it's just, I can pull, I can drape a line all the way along someone's arm without it breaking. Yeah, if I, mix I love that. Together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's very cool. Um, so how big are your batches normally? <clears throat> oh, well, okay. If there was a normal. Um... <laughs> <laughs> well, give me a couple scenarios, I guess. Like yeah, festivals I, or private or... I used to mix up a bunch of huge batches and freeze it. And I really do notice a difference in how it moves so i've started to if i can i'll mix up a big batch if i'm when my festival season's going mm -hmm. so i'll mix up you know like maybe 200 at a time 200 grams uh, milligrams at a time okay um grams or milligrams now? 200 grams yeah <laughs> grams. you sound like a pharmacist with these milligrams <laughs> I didn't have my full cup of tea at this morning. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so pretty much anything I say is suspect. Okay. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yes. So 100 grams. Uh, so I usually we'll do about 200 if I'm doing festival season. Um, but if I'm doing private sessions and it's like in the winter time, I will mix up probably mm, 100 grams at a time and then do you freeze it or you just keep it until it's dead oh no I, I i'll cone it all up and then i'll freeze it okay <clears throat> but i try if i if i can i'll leave whatever's in the freezer and i'll mix some fresh if i have something oh, that i'm yeah. like wanting to get a good like if i'm gonna do a pregnant belly yeah you need really I good the fresh time, taste i'll mix it fresh yeah there's also something really nice about mixing henna for a particular client. It just seems very purposeful. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah. <clears throat> Instead of like, let me just get something from my stash and right, whatever. I mean, it, it you know, it, as long as it's been made fresh and it's frozen and it doesn't thaw in the freezer or something, yeah. then it's fine. Yeah, we it's had fine. we had a freezer that would do an auto defrost. Like, so it was just a little bit of an auto defrost, which actually didn't work. The freezer never thawed, but <laughs> it thawed the head on enough oh, and it God. made it not very good. So. Yeah. Huh. So what 
are the tools that you use to mix your henna? What kind of bowl, what kind of mixer, et cetera, do you use? Um, I use a regular glass mixing bowl mm -hmm. and I have a special spatula that's like completely stained with henna at this point, yeah. which I've written henna all over so that my housemates don't <laughs> use it for something yeah. else. Yeah. Um, and some plastic wrap. That's pretty much it. So you usually mix by hand? Mm hmm I do. No electricity uh, involved? No. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. And so what I just the... bought a mixer. Maybe I'll try using it, but yeah. I, I have been just mixing it by hand. I mean, I think for the people who are doing like huge, huge batches, like people who are selling their henna. Yeah. Off, you have to and I it probably is really smooth and creamy oh and I do I do strain it through a stocking mm -hmm. I just you strain the paste I strain the paste yeah yeah um yeah I just I've never used an electric mixer either but now that I'm yeah. talking to other people who do I'm like oh let me try that let me just yeah see. uh so one of the things that a lot of newbies struggle with and I know I struggled with it too when I switched to cones is trying to get that right consistency so what's your do you have a trick for f getting the right consistency or knowing when you're at that sweet spot practice I yeah. <laughs> come on I need a quick easy I fix know. for this that one's really hard though because yeah. you gotta see it yeah yeah it's it, true I don't know that there's any way I mean you can you know what I do I guess I'll tell talk you through the process mm -hmm. but it's all based on the feeling of it when it's being mixed and how it falls off the spoon and I don't know any way to describe when that's right yeah. you know but yeah. I you know it really is when I'm mixing then I want there to be very little resistance and when I pull this little spatula up mm -hmm. I want there to be kind of falling off of it but not um not too fast and when it falls into the bowl and it falls onto the other henna mm -hmm. I want it to drape over that henna and have enough of a resistance so it doesn't just sink right into it right. so that it holds right. that shape that yep. the exact form that it lays down in yep. and then I'll watch it for a couple of seconds and if it holds that form then I know it's good. If it, right. if it, if it sits on top too much, then I'll add a little liquid. Yeah. So uh, you're just picturing how it's going to be when it comes out of your cone and, and it's on the skin. You don't want it to flatten out immediately. Right. You don't want it to just smush, but it really is just watching the bowl when it's draping down into yeah. the bowl and seeing, seeing if it holds its form or not. Right. And starting to get a sense. And I think that newbies tend to mix a little too dry. Mm -hmm. So I guess I would probably say mix a little wetter than you think. Yeah. Um, I know when I first started, I would mix it really thick. And it put a lot of pressure on my hand. And you're not yeah. able to drape the lines really yeah. well. So I think it's a matter of finding it, getting it as 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 much liquid as you can possibly get in there without it starting to smush on the skin. Yeah. So, and, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, but just the last thing, if it's a cold day, obviously it's not going to smush at that point, but then if you go take it out into a hot day and you're out in the sun, then yeah. you're going to have problems. So you yeah, really totally. need to mix for your, for what you're that doing. Weather. Yeah, definitely. Especially in New England. Yeah. <laughs> 
do you ever cone up a little bit of your henna and see how it flows out of a cone or you just do it all I by don't. look and feel? I do it all by look and feel. Yeah. And that just takes practice. Yeah, I wish there was some magic thing to say that would help everybody yeah. out. I remember it back in the olden days, it was like, it should be the consistency of yogurt. And I'm like, what? Yogurt, European yeah, yogurt, yeah, exactly. yogurt, um, Dannon, play what? Um, yeah, and, and, I and even then, it is really the consistency. No. It's a little bit different. Yeah. Or some people said toothpaste, but toothpaste can be really thick. Yeah, toothpaste, I think, is way too thick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do use the mashed potato analogy when I'm mixing it before I put the essential oils and the sugar in. What's the, so, what do you mean? So when I'm mixing up the first part of the henna, I make it pretty thick. Yes. Yeah, like mashed potatoes. Yeah, yeah, that's and how then, I do it, too. And yeah, so because the, yeah, cause the sugar and the lemon juice are going to add in the the extra liquid so you don't want to do too much liquid right and then you were talking about wait the... sugar and essential oils i'm sorry did i say lemon juice yeah but that's okay. <laughs> sugar and it. essential oils yeah so you was... were talking about the dye release of your different hennas so mm -hmm. do you test for dye release or again are you just you just have your timing down so you know that Jamil is going to take this long and then you add the Raj and you know it's going to take this long and then you add Mohana or do you actually like take a little sample each time and test it? No, I don't test it because the it wouldn't have dye release. What I'm trying to do is get them to all dye release at the same time. Oh, look at you. <laughs> <laughs> because the Jamila has an average-ish time release of, you know, 22 hours, 24 hours, somewhere in oh, there. Yeah. With, when it's just sitting out normal without, mm. you know, some people put a light on it and stuff like that. I don't do that. Oh, okay. Um, and then the Raj is usually, you know, somewhere in the range of like 12 to 14. This is all, of mm. course, with with cold ingredients if you put hot ingredients the dye release is going to be much sooner yeah yeah so that's a good point. you, you got to mix for what you're doing yes so this is only applicable for my for what i do if you start mixing with some warm ingredients then that's going to completely change it but. right so you could do that if you needed to speed it up but with your situation yeah. like you know oh, i'm going to start it um this morning so that it'll be ready by like tomorrow afternoon right or so right yeah. Yeah. So Mohana is usually somewhere in the range of like six to eight hours. Gotcha. Die release. With cold with cold. With cold. Gotcha. So are can you give us, let's say, three essential things for newbies to remember when they're mixing henna? Sure. I wanna go back to the die release question for one sec. Oh yeah, sure. Um so the way that I tell about die release, I don't test it on my skin because I don't I don't find that that's super accurate because it can leave an orange stain in a couple of minutes, but then not really be fully dye released. Right. So I just look at the surface. Mm -hmm. I look at the bowl, and if there's a if there's a brownish liquid that's coming out of the henna, mm -hmm. then I call it good. Gotcha. So that's yeah. so I just look for dye release. You don't okay. do the plastic over it and the paper towel and all that stuff. No. Okay. <laughs> I do good. cover it with saran wrap. Okay. Yep. All right. So three essential things that newbies should know for mixing their own henna. Three essential things for newbies should know about mixing their own henna. 
uh, or two or five. I don't know. You know, well, what, are the, what are the key issues you think? I would definitely say on? start simple. Don't mm. get, don't get too elaborate. You know, I, some people over the years, they use different things like tea and different spices and all sorts of lovely things that make the henna smell wonderful and probably give really good results. But I would say when you're starting off, just do it exactly the same way. Keep notes. You know, do mm. do it like a science experiment. Yeah. Try to figure out what the common denominators are to give you good release and then do that again on a different day where there's different temperature and mm. see, you know, how that works. Yeah, I would just say really keep good notes and make small batches. Yeah, that's a good piece. Start of off advice. with small batches. Yeah. Um Definitely get really high quality. Don't use something subpar if you're trying to figure out how to mix because it's going to affect that. Yeah. Start with really high quality henna and essential oils. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you remember what the source of your essential oils is? Oh, do you want me to look it up? Um, you know, when you interview me, you can tell me then. Okay. So... The last thing I want to ask you before we finish up, how does mixing henna make you feel? <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh-oh. I don't know if it changes how I feel in the oh. moment. I do try to get to a place where I'm feeling centered and oh. I'm really paying attention to the henna mm -hmm. when I'm mixing it. I, um, I've had the only times I've had bad batches is when I'm doing a hundred different things and people are talking to me. So I always mix henna when nobody else is around. Oh, okay. Um, and I pay attention to what it is that I'm doing at that moment. Um, so yeah, it's not so much that it makes me feel a certain way, but I try to get into a good space before I mix. Oh, that's cool. And are you, yeah, I guess it's kind of like meditation in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I just, I know that it, I'm going to be going out and affecting so many people's lives yeah. by doing this. I mean, that may sound grandiose, but yeah. it really does, you know, have an effect what you're doing. And I want it to be the best effect that I can. Yeah. And so. I don't think it's grandiose at all. I think it's very responsible. There's so many people out there who say, oh, it's just this little thing. What difference does it make? And it's yeah. nice to see someone who actually cares what impact they're having on people yeah my my mantra for the world is that art saves lives <laughs> and i firmly believe that i yeah. firmly believe that um what we do as artists is just as powerful and makes just as much of an impact on the world as you know somebody who is a doctor or somebody who is you know going into the military yeah yeah and i think it's all cumulative too so the more we we do it the more all of us do it it starts to really add up and have an impact absolutely yeah. thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast i apologize for the abrupt ending to my conversation with nev we started yakking about other stuff and so i just cut all of that out and didn't really get to say goodbye on the recording please stay tuned to future episodes we have some really good ones coming in this mix master mixtape series Please be sure to subscribe on iTunes and also leave a rating for the podcast that helps the podcast in the future if I ever want to get advertising on it. Thank you as always to Nash Karam for the photos on the website 
And thank you to Shlomi Cohen for the music and also for technical support, which was very much needed in this episode. So thank you. For those of you leaving comments on the website and on the Facebook page, I really appreciate your comments and I do take note of them. So keep them coming. All right. See you next episode. Bye.